Hello and welcome to Fanifesto, the podcast for fans, by fans, about fandom. I'm Tyler Martin. I'm Hobart Church. I'm Megan Church. And today we have a very special guest, our good friend Mr. John Michael Cottignola Pickens, here to discuss with us the wide, wide world of sports. Mr. Cottignola Pickens, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. And since this is your first time with us, why don't we get started having you tell us a little bit about you? Well, I uh, grew up in Kenya and was not born there. was actually born in the good old state of Ohio. Go born Bucks. in Cincinnati. Uh, yes, go Bucks and go Reds. Woohoo! <laughs> and uh, moved to Kenya when I was three years old and moved to Grayson, Kentucky, where I met your co-host Tyler and Hobart, mm-hmm. and lived in Kentucky until I was 20. Um, I guess I should say I am the good old ripe age of 30. Um, so old. I know. So I obviously enjoy sports, that's why I'm on this episode, but uh, enjoy sports of all kinds, but there's more to me than just sports. I really? Do. Really? <laughs> No. More to me than sports ball. Uh, I enjoy cooking and enjoy a good beer. And I also enjoy heavy metal music. Um, and enjoy the outdoors as well. I guess those are forms of sports, but my wife and I enjoy hiking and also enjoy kayaking. So that's just a little bit about me. Good job. Thank you. I try. Now, now, since I have known you for so long, I know that there's a bit that you have omitted here. Um, you have not only lived in the States and in Kenya, you've lived somewhere else, too. And it gave you an accent for a brief period. <laughs> yes, I lived in England for a year and uh, did have a British accent for a little bit. And my wife still wishes I had that accent. <laughs> of all the things to get rid of, I John. know that would probably make me even more attractive. But. I don't know if you could do that, but um, so when you lived in England, um, now of course, all, all basically all of Europe is rabid about soccer. It's not or soccer. Football. I was gonna say let's I, uh, well, let's for, get right. For it's the, football. For, for, for you know maybe our younger audience who doesn't know. The proper term for soccer is football, and the proper term for what you watch on Sundays is American football. Correct. So, while you were in jelly old England, did you watch a lot of soccer? Did you play soccer? Did you have a favorite team? Uh, yeah, I did watch a good bit of soccer, and actually, uh, Is it expected? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. That and rugby, actually. I grew to love rugby. While we were living there, it was actually the World Cup of rugby, um, and England was hosting it. Um, and I think New Zealand won that year, which that was a big deal, because I think, if I remember, it was the first time they had won in a long time, or... Um, so that was a lot of fun to watch. I didn't think I would enjoy such a violent sport, but it was a lot of fun to watch. I've heard it described as football without all the sissy padding and helmets. Oh, uh, yeah. If you think football players are tough, <laughs> rugby players are. Yeah. So since you and sports go way back, John, it, 
where where in your life do you think your uh, love of sports first came in? What's your sports origin story, John? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, my dad really got me into sports, and it's funny because just by looking at him, you wouldn't think my dad was an athlete growing up, but he no. actually was. Uh, my dad played baseball, he played basketball um, growing up, and so he passed that love of sports on to me. Oh, and I should also say, he grew up, um, for any sports fans who might listen to this, especially Cincinnati Reds fans, he listened to um, what was known as the Big Red Machine, which was the nickname of the Reds teams during the 1970s, well, 60s and 70s. And so my dad really grew to love sports while listening to those teams on the radio. And so he just passed down his love of sports on to me. My brother is not a fan of sports really at all. Um, and so from a young age, I, I don't remember exactly how old I was when I got really interested, but in Kenya, um, we played softball after school um, on Fridays, and I really got into that. Um, and in Kenya, we also had these um, sports days, is what they called them. It was, I think once or twice a year, and it was almost like an Olympic event where they would split the kids up into different teams um, by your color, so black team, red team, green team, so forth. And they had, um, so like the 100 meter relay, um, they had the long jump, they had hurdles, and so I was usually the little kid that would do the 100 meters, <laughs> and I kicked butt. At when I was really young in that. Um, these I, days, not so much. Yeah, these days, not so much. Still <laughs> kicked your butt in racquetball. Man, no Many fair. Times. Merrick didn't get any of that when I was in school. This <laughs> yeah. biannual mini Olympics. It's not <laughs> fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got into sports from a really early age. Um, I mean, because of my dad, but then also just because of I guess the culture I was surrounded by and just I think who I was I mean I had friends in Kenya in my neighborhood who we would play soccer um, out in the road <laughs> and we also would play safety first <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> any parents listening to this uh, do not let your kids play on the road <laughs> uh, and also my dad taught the neighborhood kids how to play wiffle ball so I, I know that's a long answer, but it my love and interest in sports in general um, just happened when I was really young. So, and I owe that to my to mostly my dad. So, well, my appreciation for uh, live baseball actually also comes from your dad. Um, I had gone to a game in the fourth grade, I think it was. Um, it was the Cincinnati Reds, and we had to do homework while we were watching the game. We we had to take those those little score sheets, the very detailed like oh, right like when it when a a ball is hit, you yep. have to write down what it was, single, double, yep, um, what base they went to, and you had to keep track of all all the um, the strikes, balls, and uh, outs. 
And, like, for my brain, like, trying to learn the rules of baseball and keep track of all of these numbers at the same time, it was just too much. I couldn't do it. I threw the paper down the bleachers and just sat and watched the game. <laughs> uh, but I was so upset by it that I, I didn't enjoy it at all. So it wasn't until many years later when your dad, well, not that many, not that many years, but your dad took us to the Indians game. We saw CC Sabathia pitch. Yeah, it's been a while back, John. Yeah, that was a while back. <laughs> um, and it, if I remember correctly, it was actually his first game pitching for the Indians, and he hit a home run. Oh, I remember that. that. Yeah. Right. Um, see, and the fact that I remember that like, is how much of an impression that particular event made on me. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And so ever since then, like watching baseball live, I enjoy it. I cannot watch it on TV. It is... The, the game itself is not boring, but the commentary drives me bananas. So would you consider yourself a baseball fan above all others? I... Yes. I guess so. <laughs> um... I mean, that, that is the sport that I seem to obsess the most about, or I have one team that I am the most hardcore follow, yeah, the most. So, yes, I would. Because I know you like checking your scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh... If you spend any length of time with this man, you will notice him. <laughs> sneaking a look at his phone to check on baseball scores. That is right. I don't have my phone with me now, but yes, <laughs> I am such a serious fan that I will be checking MLB game day on my phone, checking scores during baseball season. So. And college basketball season. Well, that's not my phone, but... Yeah. It is It is when the when UK is still playing. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Which is great. I've, I've only been around you a handful of times while UK is playing, but I've loved every time. <laughs> I was around for some of those, too. Yeah. And you loved every moment of it, too, almost. <laughs> I did. So, Hobart, you brought up um, the Indians, and that's mm -hmm. actually who my favorite team is, who I follow on... Um, MLB Game Day on my phone. We're um, not sponsored by MLB Game Day. <laughs> Darn it. But we could be. MLB Game Day if you're out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so they, what was I saying? Going back. Indians. Oh, Cleveland Indians. It's interesting how I really got into the Indians. <laughs> when I was a little kid and of course, grew up in a really devout Christian family. Um, I didn't know if there were Christian athletes. Um, I found out that there was a magazine called Sports Spectrum, which was a Christian sports magazine. And so um, one time when we were visiting the U.S. from Kenya, um, someone from one of the churches that sponsored us because my family were missionaries, um, they said, there's this Christian sports magazine you should check out. 
And so I opened it up, and in the first issue I ever saw, there was a pitcher named Oral Hershiser. And at the time, he was pitching for the Cleveland Indians, and so he was the first um, Christian athlete I had ever really heard of. And the thing is, he wasn't awful. He was actually a pretty good pitcher. Um, and so I then read up more on him and really grew to really like him as an athlete, but then that grew into love of the team. Um, and so ever since, I'd say, the mid-'90s, since finding out about Oral Hershiser through Sports Spectrum, I became a huge Cleveland Indians fan. That actually brings up an interesting point uh, regarding being a fan of a player, being a fan of a team, and being a fan of a sport. Do you think that like one leads into another, or do you think there are different types of fans? Like there are some people who are just fans of a particular athlete. Doesn't matter what team they're on. Like if you're a fan of Tim Tebow, you're a fan of Tim Tebow regardless of what team he's on. Um, or if you're a fan of the Cleveland Indians, doesn't matter who's on the roster, you're just a fan of that particular team. Or if you just like watching a particular sport or following a particular sport in general. I, I think that can lead into, I mean, I think it can go many ways. So I, I've met people where they were a fan like me, were a fan of one person, and then they fell into love into with a specific team, and then with the sport. But, I, I mean, I've certainly met other people, too, who are such avid fans of maybe one particular person that they don't care what team that person is on. So I guess to answer your question, I think it could go either way. Okay. Um, and, I mean, even for me, for an example, is Jim Tomey is one of my favorite players of all time from the Cleveland Indians. He left the Cleveland Indians for more money to go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Tons of Indians fans felt betrayed. Um, I felt betrayed, but that didn't make me hate him. Some Indians fans really grew to hate him. But... Um, even as he played for the Phillies, I still followed him as a player, but that didn't mean I stopped following the Cleveland Indians and stopped loving the Indians. So I guess I was able to follow both and like both. Now, if Jim Tomey with the Phillies was playing against the Indians, I would still choose the Indians. So I guess my team... Trumps any one player. Trumps any one player. Okay. I've met, like, NASCAR fans in the past who, um, no, they're fans of just fans of, like, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, Kyle Petty. Like, they're, they're just fans of those people and the personas that they project, but if you ask them things about, like, actual the actual sport itself, they have no idea. It's like, oh, yeah, I love NASCAR. Okay, well, you know, how did you feel about the, the flag thrown on, you know, lap number 438 million which is what it feels like when you're watching NASCAR and they have no idea what the rules are or um, what really is going on other than who's leading um, I always found that interesting like if you're if you're a fan of a person who does a thing maybe you should learn 
what that thing is so that you can be more of a fan of that particular person. Well, we have a recent example of... Uh player following in um, LeBron James's recent like what do you call it lily padding right yeah lily padding so he starts he starts at the Cavaliers he bounces to Miami Heat and Cleveland basically lost its mind (laughs) when he did that it was all over the news there were riots people went berserk and he caught a lot of crap for that. And he was in Miami for a while. And then he goes back to the Cavaliers. And then you've got uh, Cleveland, like, stuck. Because half of them were totally fine with that. Yay, LeBron is back. He's our boy. He's back home. Everybody kept saying he's come home. Then you've got the people who decided they were betrayed. They were hurt. He was just coming back because he... Was he'd been, he was tired of milking Miami and he was ready to come back and that was it and they didn't want him back. You're like, no, you were you abandoned us. You're gone from us forever. The, the very idea just fascinates me that someone could feel betrayed <laughs> by a member of a sports team, like wanting to go somewhere where they're making more money or they're getting more exposure or they have a better deal of some sort, or maybe they just want to move. They just want to live there. I don't know. Whatever the reason, I find it just baffling that people who follow the sport and are a fan of the team would be, like, personally hurt by that decision. It's it's weird to me. Well, you latch on to something, and you feel that it belongs to you. And And so those people, those players, you feel, in a sense, belong to you. So when they do something you don't like, oh no, they've betrayed me even though they don't know me and I have nothing to do with their decision. Well, I mean, again, with my example, I wasn't, I, I was upset by Jim telling me leaving, but I wasn't. You didn't go rioting, though. No, I didn't go rioting. People, I didn't, people I didn't, rioted. I didn't feel betrayed by him. Um... I was hoping he would stay with the Indians and would take less money to play with them because there's that sense of pride, I guess, within me that you choose playing for the team that drafted you and that you've played with for years over the team that's going to give you more money. So, um, it's, a, so it's a sense of kinship. Yeah, there's a okay. sense of community, a sense okay. of camaraderie. Okay, like I can like, understand that a little better. Like with any kind of fandom. Yeah, yeah, you connect that's, with that's other true. fans and right. the things that you love. Exactly. That's true. Okay. And that's what got me into being a fan of sports, just in, in, in general, and experiencing that myself. I mean, I, I played soccer uh, in Kentucky for um, several years, and there was that sense of brotherhood, um, and I guess community. I played with women as well. Um. <laughs> oh, you get, I guess he's played that with sense women. Of hood. hood, yes. But Siblinghood. there was that sense of community um, when we played together and we had one goal that we were working towards. Um, I didn't take it as nearly as seriously as a lot of my teammates did. I mean, my last year playing, there were 
guys breaking down in tears because we had not gone as far in a tournament as they thought or had hoped we were going to. Um, and I just thought, well, this isn't the end of the world. There's always next season. Um, but, again, there was this sense of community, which is what made me a sports fan in general. Well, you had mentioned community there. Uh, growing up in the uh, illustrious town of Grayson, Kentucky, you know that if you live there, you are expected to bleed blue. Yes. So, uh, if... if it's basically taken as a given that you are a Wildcats fan. And uh, for a number of years off and on, I was what could be considered a Fairweather fan of UK basketball. You know, just off and on uh, throughout my childhood, into adulthood even. I know you and I have watched a few games together. Yes, we have, especially during March Madness. Uh, eventually, I sort of tapered off of that because... I didn't feel it was worthwhile. Plus, whenever I allowed myself to start caring, they started doing terribly. Yeah, that, that is as far as my sports fandom ever really got. Because I, I've never been much of a sports person. Well, you bring up a good point that I, I think there are different types of... I was going to say, I think there are different types of sports fans, but I know a lot of sports fans who would not even consider Fairweather fans fans. So I guess we should say what we mean by Fairweather fans. So, I mean, when I think of someone who's a Fairweather fan, I usually think of someone who is a fan of a team or, I guess, a person. When that team is doing really well, mm -hmm. that's what I think of with a Fairweather fan. And, I, I mean, I, I do think, or I guess you could say they're jumping on the bandwagon. Um... I think that is annoying at times um, because they don't have that history with the team. Um, but, I mean, if you are getting into the game and you are actually enjoying it, I don't see a problem with being a Fairweather fan, um, per se. Um, I know that there, again, I know that there are a lot more hardcore sports fans that would be strongly against Fairweather fans. Um, because they do kind of disrupt the community of sorts. You could call me an occasional fan of one sport. And one team. And, well, okay, <laughs> You've watched so, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm a football occasional fan, and the way I choose to express my fanness is that I don't follow Buckeye sports of any other kind other than football, but I'm not so invested in the team that I could name any football player on the team, and I could not name a single one. I don't do names. I don't care. I just want to watch them play. Um, and I'm a cheapskate fan because I won't pay for the tickets, even though for a fair bit of my life I lived in Ohio not that far from OSU, could have gone to a game. Well, they're expensive. Yeah, that's the thing. They're expensive. So I won't pay for tickets, and I won't even pay for the cable necessary to watch 
half of their games every year. I miss half of the games because they're only on ESPN or some other network cable uh, station. And when it's football season, yeah, I do like to catch the odd other team game, but it's pretty sporadic. I have to be in the mood to watch a football game. I have to decide that I want to watch the other teams that I don't follow. Um, if it's not a very engaging or good game, I'll give up partway through and just be like, eh, I don't care. But I do watch the Super Bowl every year. I think it's the best, one, well, one of the best games in the season to watch. And you really get to see some spirited playing. Every, everybody on that, yeah, everybody on that field is in it. And there are some years so where it's, it's fun. just a bore. Yeah, those orange guys didn't do too good the few years back, did they? <laughs> the blue guys, though, they did great. The sports guy, what's what's your assessment? <clears throat> well, I mean, like I said, I I personally, I mean the the fair weather and the occasional fans get on my nerves, but the hardcore fans also get on my nerves. Like if that is your life then that's, that annoys the heck out of me. But, I mean, again, like, Hobart, like you mentioned, you all of a sudden just bring up the sports team and you don't actually follow the team. Yeah, exactly. You're just following the team maybe for a month or so or for a certain event. Um so, it, I mean, it, it does add to the sense of community, but then it also takes away. So it's not, I don't think it's so cut and dry. Um, the occasional fans kind of remind me of, <laughs> sorry for the analogy, but churchgoers who only show up on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> um, so That's a really good analogy. Actually. So occasional sports fans who only watch NFL on Super Bowl for the Super Bowl or college basketball during March Madness or baseball during the World Series. That's what it makes me think of. Um, so, yeah, that's my perspective. Now, uh, I know that your team, the Cleveland Indians, has been the source of some level of controversy. Yeah, so, and <laughs> I feel bad for admitting I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, depending on who I'm talking to, but the Indians have uh, a mascot that they have slowly been getting rid of called Chief Wahoo. Uh, it is this cartoonish, red-faced um, Indian. And, I, I mean, as a little kid, I think nothing, I thought nothing of it. I remember going to Indians games and seeing protesters outside of the stadium um, protesting Chief Wahoo. And so, yeah, there is a lot of controversy around it uh, that it's this racist symbol, much like a lot of people are saying the Washington Redskins in the NFL is yeah. a racist symbol. Um, and so baseball is actually having some really serious conversations with the Indians about getting rid of Chief Wahoo altogether. 
And, uh, of course, there are the hardcore fans that say, no, that's tradition. You need to keep Chief Wahoo. Uh, you bleeding heart liberals, you need to keep Chief Wahoo. Um, and then, of course, there are some Indians fans that say, well, you can be an Indians fan and still get rid of Chief Wahoo. And that's where I fall, actually, is that, I mean, as I've gotten older and as they have phased out Chief Wahoo, um, that hasn't got, I'm still a very serious Indians fan. You don't miss him. Exactly. I don't miss Chief Wahoo. I was an Indians fan because of Chief Wahoo. I was an Indians fan because of the players. And so um, as I grew older, I did realize it, it, it is pretty offensive. Um, and a lot of tribes have really spoken out against it. And so I think we need to be listening to them. And also, if I may, another controversial topic, and this could be, we could go on for a long time on this, is the issue of um, should politics or activism be involved with sports? And of course, the most recent example that's been um, really controversial is Colin Kaepernick in the NFL, uh, this quarterback who um, was raised by white parents, um, but he himself is a person of color, and he kneeled down um, for several weeks during the national anthem. And so he said that he was kneeling down to bring awareness to the um, number of black men that were being killed by police officers um, and so he said that he wasn't going to stand up for the national anthem until that stopped um, and so he got a lot of crap for that and he lost a lot of fans kid rock dissed him <laughs> kid rock di kid rock dissed him that's when you've hit bo uh, rock bottom right <laughs> and he got death threats. Um, what can't you get a death threat for these days? That's true. But, I, I mean, I think that example just brings up a lot of good questions of are sports just for entertainment or are sports also a way of raising our social awareness and consciousness? And, um, I, I mean, I think they are, and I actually personally agree with Colin Kaepernick is that I, I, I do think that using your status as an athlete I do think there is a time and place that um, outside circumstances take are of more importance than sports and so he felt like he needed to use his status as a very public figure to um, bring awareness to an injustice that was happening in our culture and uh, I appreciated that. Well, I mean, musicians have been doing it for ever since there's been music, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, it, that's something you do with any form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to just be entertainment. Uh, any kind of art form. You have books, music, like he was saying, movies, uh, that you can use to make a statement. Right. I think the problem you run into when you're... Um, person playing sports with that is that and this is the argument that the teams make because eventually it wasn't just um Kaepernick that made that stance there were a few others that followed suit 
And there were people that complained and said, oh, well, they're just doing that to get the publicity. They don't really mean it. Um, but the um, managers of the teams were using the argument with the, well, you're not like every other celebrity. You are a part of this team. Therefore, you represent this brand. Therefore, you can't do certain things or say certain things that we don't like because you're besmirching the brand of the team. Well, so there's also that that problem of of lumping the celebrity of of sports players in with other like Hollywood celebrities because they don't necessarily have the same kind of freedom to well, express and, themselves. And to that point, um, most sports teams are privately owned. Yes, if not all. They are. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they work for. an individual and if that individual makes rules just like any other privately owned business free speech only extends so far when it comes to private being an employee of a private business um so public support or not the owner may have the the right to fire that person or let them go or withhold pay or any sort of punishments and I think that people tend to get caught up in the drama of things and forget the, the legality. Um, so, like, if Colin Kaepernick had not been paid, but it was in his contract that that was something that could happen as a repercussion for actions deemed unsuitable by the owner or whoever manages the team, then legally, that would be fine. Socially, of course, there would probably have been uh, quite a bit of backlash, much as there there has been with uh, racist comments from team owners uh, in the past. It's interesting that we have examples of racism being played out and explained in the media in two different occurrences that have been fairly recent. Um, if we're talking politics and sports, because you've got everything that happened to Kaepernick um, and people calling him un-American for not standing for the pledge um, or the the national anthem, for not standing for the national anthem. Um, And then you've got this elderly owner of a particular basketball team who had the unfortunate circumstance of a recording of him saying that he didn't want black people around his wife or in his seats at his games. And this goes public, and the first responses that came out from his side were, well, number one, he's old, so therefore he can't really be taken seriously because that's just what that generation thinks. And then the other explanation was, He's old, so he has dementia, so he can't be taken seriously because he's just a babbling old codger. So Kaepernick is un-American for protesting the way people of color are often being treated by law enforcement, and he's not even doing anything or saying anything. He's just taking a knee for the national anthem. And then we have this famous, rich, old, white guy who verbally 
and vehemently spouts racist and hateful things, and he gets written off as just an old, an old white guy who doesn't know any better and has dementia, and therefore nobody should take anything he says seriously. So even in sports, these, these problems play out very differently depending on who you are. Right. You have, yes, you have this white rich guy who was eventually forced to give up the team. So he actually no longer owns the team, um, but took a long time and a lot of pressure. And then you have someone like Colin Kaepernick, who's a young man of color who, um, yeah, has experienced a lot of hate and racism for simply kneeling. Um, and it, I mean, it, it just, we could go on and on and on about this. I think it brings up a lot about our country and of just what is, what defines and who defines what's patriotic. Uh, I, I mean, I think what Colin Kaepernick did is as much part of patriotism as is standing up and singing the national anthem. Um, I mean, this country was founded on dissent. So, um, but it also brings up this idea that sports aren't made, aren't around to make us uncomfortable, right? That sports are just supposed to make us feel good. And so whenever some, an athlete does something to make us uncomfortable, we then instantly want to get rid of them and ridicule them and um, personally attack them. So, what does it say about sports fans as a community? Yeah. Um, Is well, it as amicable a community as we tend to think? Well, I think it's like any other community is that there's a lot mm -hmm. of dysfunction. <laughs> but that dysfunction doesn't really show up until there is someone or something that um, disturbs the status quo. All right, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this episode of Fanifesto. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion about sports fandom, and we thank our guest, Mr. Cottingmill of Pickens, for joining us. We'd love to hear your feedback regarding sports fandom or any of the topics or issues that we've talked about during this episode, or anything else you'd like to d discuss or hear us tackle. As always, you can find us on the web at fanifestoblog.wordpress.com. Download and listen to individual episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Discussion is always welcomed and encouraged. Next episode, bring your kilts and dance along as we discuss Celtic folk music. See you then.